0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we begin our final stretch towards playoff weeks, and some of us still have some building to do on our rosters. Don't you worry, we'll be taking a deep dive once again into this week's waiver wire options at all of the skill positions. We'll figure out which players you should be targeting and which ones are nothing but phony balonies. All this and more coming right after this. singled by the quarterback Marvin Harrison Jr. touchdown marvelous mom Mar- all next to the onto drop down for Franklin unassisted touchdown this is chasing the natty a college fantasy football podcast Alright, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. Sharp. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campuscanton.com and subscribe there with one of our stupendous tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C 2 C, and betting needs, including rankings, articles, tools, stats, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Speaking of that at Chasing the Natty account, make sure you guys head over there. There is a pinned tweet on that account that includes a link to a very very quick survey every um every year during the season around the middle portion of the season right around this like a week seven week eight time period i put out a little survey and it's a very simple survey all it does is just ask you what you think of the show what do you think we can improve what do you want to see more of want to see less of just little simple questions like that your answer is going to be as short or as long as you want them to be. The survey is designed to only take about five minutes, like tops. So, again, just head on over there. Again, uh, look at the at Chasing the Natty Twitter account. You'll find the link to the survey there. We have had already a ton of great responses to that so far this year. And, again, I haven't like, – I've looked at some of the answers already and everything like that. But, again, be about later this week probably. I'll sit down, kind of look at all the different responses, see what kind of the common threads are – throughout everybody's answers and i will kind of decide what is feasible to change this year during the show and what do i have to probably wait until next year to make the changes for everything but again having looked through it there's already a couple of stuff i have in the back of my mind of things i'm trying to do just a little bit better for you guys as we get down the latter portion of the season here so again just five minutes helps out a ton and it really provides great feedback and helps us make the show better for you guys out there so what else is going on besides that? Well, we had a pretty awesome week of college football this past week. I had to, uh, or I was able to catch several great games. Unfortunately, um, I was, I had to miss a good chunk of the noon slate. Me and my girlfriend had a wonderful time going and doing some apple picking in North Georgia. Absolutely gorgeous country up there, up in Blue Ridge. If any of you guys are remotely in the region, absolutely should go check that stuff out. But what games was I able to watch while well, I was able to get back for the 30-30 slate and everything like that? And boy, oh boy, we had some really good ones there. Again, Tennessee-Alabama was probably the one I had the most focus on. And that was what a wild game that was. I mean, literally just complete tale of two halves. My friend Carter texted me in the first half of that game being like, yo, Bama just or Tennessee just went into Bama's house and decided to be Bama today. And that's what it was looking like for the most part of the first half. It was absolutely nuts. And then I was like, I, I just had a feeling that the second half, like it was going to go completely the other direction, that Bama was going to come out. They were not going to lose to Tennessee two years in a row. And that's exactly what happened. I wish I, wish I could have bet the spread alive. I can't even imagine what that spread looked like at halftime. But I, I would have taken whatever points were being given to Bama at that point. Because, you know, Tennessee had to have been favored going into that half. Um, but even so, crazy, crazy second half there. Again, Bamba found their running game. Chase McClellan looked really, really good. I hope that is something we continue to see down the line. They, I think finally they may be understanding that he's the complete package at running back, and so if they need to rely on him, he is a guy they can go with. Um, what other games that we had going on? Texas, Houston. Um, I had that one kind of going on in the secondary screen for me throughout the day, or throughout the afternoon. And man, oh man, like this 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 whole day had a couple of just close calls with a ton of top teams there Uh, obviously North Carolina being the big one to go down but man Texas Houston that game was way way too close for Texas obviously Quinn years going down with injury that sucks but Houston probably should have taken that game to overtime if we're being real like that was a horrendous spot by the referees at the end of that game. And now, of course, Houston had the chance to pick up the fourth down after that point. But even still, like, it should never have had that fourth down to begin with. We Who knows what would have happened from there. Speaking of who knows what would have happened, Florida State versus Duke was a great game for about, I'd say, like two and a half, three quarters before Riley Leonard went down. Because once Riley Leonard went down, man, that was just a completely different Duke team after that point. I think it completely morally, not morally, but you morale like morale was super low after um after leonard went down you could tell just the entire all the energy got sucked out of the blue devils team at that point florida state capitalized that's what you're supposed to do but like that 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 game's gonna be one of those games at the end of the year where i'm like what if what if riley leonard stayed in the whole game it's not like leonard was like you know lighting the world on fire or anything like that but he was doing just enough to open up the run game. That was kind of the big story throughout the first two and a half quarters of that game was that Duke's running game was destroying Florida state throughout a good chunk of it. So like once he went down their backup quarterback, uh, Bielan, I think his name is, he cannot throw like he might as well not have arms because that's literally just how threatening they are in terms of the passing game with him back there. So Florida state was able to key in on the off or on the running game from then on out. Nothing to worry about from there. Uh, any other ones? Uh, I caught the first half of Ole Miss-Auburn. That was a pretty fun back and forth. But then, end of the night with USC-Utah. <clears throat> Man, what a great game that was. that was. Again, it's just fun to see teams go up against USC's defense because they're just absolutely horrendous. And again, I'm I'm being a bit of a homer here, but it, it was a little vindicating to see Bear Alexander effectively cost USC this game after all this talk that you know, he he was putting out the USC's fans were putting out about how dominating their defense was going to be, how it was just as physical as Georgia's. Yeah, right. Sure, whatever. Anyway, I'm I'm being I'm I'm being too much of a homer there. It was it, it was a little nice to see though. And again, good job to Utah and everything. We'll definitely talk about one of their players here today as well. But that was a that was a fun game to really kind of end the night on. I had I had I had Arizona State Washington kind of on in the background and everything. But that by that point, I, it, it had been a long day, so I was I was kind of. You know, settling down, there wasn't too much going on in the midnight slate, so, you know. All right, that's enough of me yapping. That's enough talking about this past week in terms of the games I watched and everything. It was a great, great weekend of college football. There's some games I definitely still need to go back and watch uh, some of in order to get the context of what fully happened. Um, but even so, again, Great weekend. Uh, we're about to get into some of the waiver wire analysis that we're going to go after. As always, again, we'll talk about the trap players. We'll talk about the players you don't want to be talking. Uh, you want you don't want to be grabbing off the waiver wire. Then we'll go into the guys that so you do want to go into the waiver wire. One thing I do want to throw out here real quick is um, I want to tell you guys to go and check out at CFF lists their new YouTube channel. It's been up pretty much the whole season. They've been putting out videos this year. Great stuff with their waiver wire pick uh, show. I was invited back on this past week. Uh, Great, great discussion with J-Mill and Willie B over there, as well as Nino Brown from CFB Nation. We had an awesome, awesome show this past week. If you're looking specifically for guys that are going to help you this week, that show is fantastic for helping you out on that. So absolutely go and check out and subscribe to their channel over there. And make sure you go check out that video as well. That's kind of the last little bit of um, housekeeping I needed to do. So now let's get to the part that you guys actually want to get to. And let's talk about some players here. Let's go ahead and move on over to our week eight waiver traps for this week as always guys don't go chasing points in college fantasy football especially in college fantasy football there's a ton of variation week to week you have to be smart about who you are investing into on waiver wires with college fantasy context is key and cff These guys right here are the bamboozlers. They are the red weddings of college football. They are clearly the traps of this week's waiver wire. Let's go ahead and start with our number one guy here in Gavin Wimsatt, the quarterback out of Rutgers who this past week went against Indiana, not against Michigan State. I need to fire our graphics person for once again, screwing up a graphic regardless. Rutgers went against Indiana this past week, and that is probably the last time. In the next three weeks that we are going to see Rutgers get a matchup like that. Look at the look at this next set of schedules they have here. Wimset will be going up against Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State. I do not think you can go and find a worse three game stretch for a college fantasy player, like or for a different team. Like that's that's a pretty rough and brutal schedule. Ohio State, they're a top five defense right now. Iowa, we see what they are they're, they're winning pretty much most of their games on the back of their defense and the turnovers they're creating. Penn State's defense has been absolutely suffocating this year. It's just not going to happen. And it it'd be one thing if it'd be one thing if Wimsatt had been doing great this entire year against other good defenses, but when you look at it, he got 14 points against Michigan. 15 points against Wisconsin, 10 points against Michigan State. He only got 33 points against Indiana this past week because Indiana couldn't stop him on the ground. He had 16 rushing attempts for 143 yards and three touchdowns. He hasn't come close to that in any other game. Probably the closest he got was Wagner, where he ran two touchdowns in, but that's an FCS opponent. Against Power 5 competition, he hasn't hit over 43 rushing yards. So, this is not going to become a regular thing. Wimsett is not somebody you should be investing in the waiver wire. I don't care that he had a top five quarterback finish this past week. He ain't going to do it again this year. I can almost guarantee you that. Let's move on to our second guy here. Dean Connors, the running back out of Rice. This is a quintessential guy that I typically have on the waiver wire traps. Yes, he has had some. He has had three good weeks in the last four weeks. It is a little bit of a unicorn, but I. I regardless, I'm not investing in this guy. He is... A guy that is sitting there right around 11 to 14 touches per game for the most part. And he does quite a bit with them, obviously, because he scored multiple touchdowns in in two out of the four games. So clearly they use him, but at the same time, like I'm a volume guy. I go after guys who are typically getting anywhere from 18 to 22 touches per game on a consistent basis versus Connors. He doesn't get consistent touches really anywhere. Like, like he's gone from five he's had two games with five rushing attempts. In one of those games, he had only one reception, so he ended the game with six total touches against East Carolina. That 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 East Carolina game, in my opinion, is the quintessential reason why you should not invest in Dean Connors. East Carolina is a team that Rice should have destroyed. It is a team that <clears throat> Connors should have been able to run all over. And he straight up just did not. Five, five attempts for negative one yards and a one catch for 24 yards. Just a complete, complete dud of a performance over there. Absolutely not. I don't care that he is kind of finding crazy ways to get fantasy points over the last three games. It's just not something I want to invest in long term. Don't like it. I'm moving on. Mike Hollins, running back of Virginia, is the third player we'll talk about here in the waiver wire traps here. And this, I feel like, is mostly self-explanatory. Just look at his performances leading up to this past week. 13 attempts for 20 yards, 2 receptions for 2 yards against NC State. Follow that up with his performance against Boston College, where he was 3 attempts for 13 yards, 2 receptions for 13 yards, and a touchdown. Still single digit performance right there, and then this past week, 15 rushing attempts for 66 yards and three touchdowns. He has not been a guy that's consistently gotten touchdowns. I think he actually might have gotten more touchdowns this past week than he had combined throughout t- to this point in the season. Don't so fact check me on that. I came, I think that came off the fly there. Regardless, three touchdowns in the game is obviously insane for literally anybody. It's not something you should expect whatsoever. So you bump that down to. So you bump that down to one touchdown suddenly you're looking at a 12 point fantasy fantasy point performance not something that you're going to be wanting to do consistently it's against unc's defense which definitely much improved compared to last year as we saw this past week against virginia still can definitely let up some yardage and points at times and considering how much or how little actually in terms of production Collins was able to get and just happened to get the touchdowns to go along with it. Not something that I am investing in whatsoever. Too much up and down throughout the season. Not doing it. Another ACC running back here. Damon Claiborne, the running back out of Wake Forest. This is a guy that I had on um, the Waiver Wire show a couple of weeks ago. Actually, probably closer to the beginning of the season after his big performance. And since then... It's just been a completely maddening experience with Dave Clawson and this whole running back situation. He's going back and forth between Claiborne and Ellison. Ellison looks really good some weeks. He don't get opportunities some weeks like against Clemson where he'll get 19 carries, but then he doesn't really do much and then he got 60 yards and a touchdown. And then the very next week follows that up with three attempts for four yards against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech of all teams. It was super, super weird. Anyway, against Pitt this past week, 14 attempts, 96 yards, two touchdowns, uh, one reception for 22 yards. Obviously, pretty solid week there. But again, just look at his performances before that point. I don't think anything's changing here. His volume's gone up and down. This isn't like some new, oh, maybe the fr- maybe the younger running back is truly taking over at Wake Forest next year. Next year is Claiborne's time. This year. Too much up and down. As long as Ellison's there, I don't trust anything coming out of that backfield for Wake Forest. So completely avoid for me. And last one. This is especially one I want to talk about because I know some people are going to be hopping on this one because we love the potential wide receiver one in this system. But I'm avoiding Jordan Hudson on the waiver wire. He had obviously a phenomenal week this past week. Six receptions, 82 yards, two touchdowns against Temple. Great, great week. Any time we see somebody from this wide receiver group perk up or, or stand up and do well, all of our ears perk up. And we're like, oh, well, maybe, have, have we found our next Rashi Rice? Have we found our next Danny Gray? Have we found our next Reggie Roberson? Potentially, potentially. No. Straight no. That's not, that's not happening. What's happening here with Jordan Hudson? He's third on the team in targets total for this year. Shoot. This past week, this great week that he had, he was third in targets in this game. He just happened to be the guy who brought in the touchdowns. He was even second in the number of yards. It's just, if you look at just fantasy points, you might think, oh my God, Hudson's totally broken away here. But when you look at it and you see that Hudson had six targets and Romelo Brinson had eight targets and Jake Bailey had nine targets. Hudson clearly in third place there just happened to get some really big, excuse me, just happened to get some really big plays in that mix. And obviously the touchdowns to go along with it. Don't go chasing Hudson thinking that you got the next rushy Rice for the rest of the season. They've been spreading it around all year long. It is very clear that that is something that they wanted to do. And that's not going to change whatsoever. It's going to continue to be random guy each week gets the touchdowns, and that's going to be the hero for the week. As for me and my house, we're not playing that game. Don't go grabbing Hudson and think he got the next great SME wide receiver. All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and get ready to look at some of these quarterbacks that you should be going after this season. But first, I take a small break. Ah, there we go. Feeling very good about that. Got some tea tonight instead of water. So, always feeling good. Anyway, those of you watching on YouTube are probably questioning what the heck's going on here because the graphics looking quite different this week. And it is because this week for quarterback, I'm still going to talk about these guys one by one a little bit, but I'm not going nearly as in-depth as I did before. And I say that because every single quarterback that I have Suggested for this week in terms of wave wire pickups is guys we've already gone in depth on it in depth pretty recently. Again, a lot of these guys are still widely available in a lot of leagues. If you're looking, if you're struggling at quarterback, if you are looking for guys to plug in for a guy maybe has a bad matchup or it's week nine, week nine I know has a ton of bye weeks all over the wazoo this week. These are the guys you have to be going after. And again, like I've already talked about these, like like their stories, how they got here and everything like that. So mostly I'm going to talk about <clears throat> who they are and what kind of matchup they're looking at this week and kind of explaining why it's good for them. Again, pretty much all of these guys have pretty solid matchups this week. So we'll start with Chandler the quarterback of North Texas. Talked about him, talked about Eric Morris' offense, talked about my surprise, about how well he's doing in the passing game this year. And <clears throat> he's going up against Memphis this week. Memphis is 74th versus the pass, so you're probably looking at a pretty average passing performance from uh, Rodgers, which if you look over the last couple of weeks, you're probably looking at eh, probably around like 275, 300 yards. That's pretty solid. Um, And then you're probably looking at maybe two touchdowns, I would say. And then here's the the great part. Memphis is 104th versus the rush. That is something that North Texas loves to do, not only with their running backs, but obviously with Chandler Rodgers as well. If they unleash him in this game, he can probably end the day well above his last three game total of 34 yards rushing. I think that there's a possibility he has 50 plus easily rushing in this game. Probably finds his way to the end zone. He could be in for a really big week going up against Memphis. Another guy we got to talk about here, Jordan McLeod, quarterback out of James Madison. They have been just on an absolute, absolute tear throughout the Sun Belt. It's a shame they can't compete for the... Some belt championship because man, they really do look like the best team down there by a good margin. Tons of touchdowns for McLeod over the last couple of weeks, except for the game against Marshall. Well, actually, in Marshall, in the game against Marshall, Marshall, he had one touchdown through the air and then one touchdown on the ground. But then against Georgia Southern, three touchdowns through the air. Against Southern Alabama, three touchdowns through the air. I believe he had four touchdowns through the air in the week before that. He has been an absolute touchdown machine. And that's just really what James Madison does with their quarterbacks. I mean, we saw Todd Tao last year have this, um, have this resurgence with James Madison as well. Seems to be the exact same thing going on here. And here's the best part. McLeod has a really good matchup this weekend. They're going up against Old Dominion, 105th in the country versus the pass. That, to me, screams 250-plus uh, two, and three touchdowns. Because, again, that's that's how James Madison typically likes to get their touchdowns. Kaitlin Black is there, but he has not really been a, done a ton on the ground in terms of getting touchdowns. They are a team that loves to pass the ball, especially once they get down to the red zone. So I think McLeod is in for another big, pretty big week there. Another one here, Garrett Green, ro- uh, quarterback out of West Virginia, rostered on 19% of rosters. He's going up against UCF this week. He has been phenomenal the last couple of weeks here. once he got into conference conference games passing's been okay i mean okay i say okay but he had almost 400 yards against um houston two weeks ago this past week almost 250 against oklahoma state and two touchdowns in both of those games but man they have truly since he has gotten back from his injury truly unleashed him on the ground and he has been awesome on the ground. Against TCU, 12 rushing attempts for 80 yards and 2 touchdowns. Against Houston, 12, 47, and 2. And then this past week, didn't get any touchdowns, but 16 rushing attempts for 117 yards. They are letting this dude run. They got nothing to lose over there. And they've got themselves a pretty awesome matchup here against UCF here. UCF, 42nd versus the pass. So obviously not great, but Like I said, Green's value doesn't really come from his passing. Now, obviously, against Houston, that was pretty great. But UCF is 129th in the country versus the run. They are a bottom five rushing defense. Obviously, that's great news if you have CJ Donaldson. But Garrett Green, he's going to take advantage of that as well. I think that they're going to have a ton of design runs for him in this game to take advantage of that defense that cannot stop a nosebleed when it comes to running the ball. And so I am fully in on Garrett Green going up against UCF this week. Another great matchup. Kyron Drones, quarterback out of Virginia Tech, rostered on 8% of rosters. He's going up against Syracuse this week. And another just great matchup for for this whole group of quarterbacks. Drones going up against Syracuse. They're 125th versus the pass, 53rd versus the rush. Obviously, Drones finds some value in his rushing game. Again, 41 rushing yards, 80 rushing yards, and 59 rushing yards have been his totals the last couple of weeks versus passing. It's been very up and down. Again, 228 versus Pitt, but 104 versus Florida State. And then um, 321 against Wake. Very up and down in the passing game. Who knows what we're going to get out of Drones this weekend. But I think with Syracuse's defense being so porous through the air, I think Drones should be in for another pretty good week there. And I think he's still going to get his. Like Even though they're, Syracuse is pretty average against the run, I think Drones will still be able to... Um, work his way with his legs somewhat because that's just part of his game he should be in for a pretty solid week against Syracuse right there and then last one but certainly not least Joey Aguilar quarterback out of Appalachian State roster on 12% of rosters he has been a very consistent guy over the last couple of weeks Um, 30 points against UL Monroe 20 points against Coastal Carolina 25 points against uh, Old Dominion this past week he has been somebody that has done pretty pretty great there And he is going up against Southern Miss this weekend, who is both terrible against the pass and terrible against the run. So Appalachian State's going to probably do whatever they want to the Golden Eagles this weekend, which probably means you're looking at Joey Aguilar scoring three or four touchdowns through the air and having himself a pretty nice fantasy week right there. And who knows, maybe they unleash him in the run game a little bit more, just like they did against Ewell Monroe, where he picked up 49 rushing yards on the ground. And maybe he'll do like he did against Old Dominion and pick up another touchdown on the ground. We'll see. I think it's a pretty nice matchup for Joey Aguilar there. Again, you guys are probably wondering, like, why did I bring up all these names again? I try not to bring up names again. But the quarterback landscape for this week, in terms of new names, it's just not there. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you on Alan Bowman for Oklahoma State. Yes, they, their offense has become resurgent and i do think alan bowman is going to benefit from that for the most part but with ali gordon just taking pretty much vulture not vulturing just sucking up so much of the offense there i think it's hard for me to sell you guys on that keegan shoemaker quarterback at sam houston's another guy that i considered he's been very very consistent on a week by week basis but like it's been like the twenty twenty three. Fantasy points, he hasn't really had, like, a dud week or anything like that. That's good to see, but, like, all five... I'd I'd just rather talk about these other five guys because these other five guys, I think, are all have potential to have, like, a 35-plus week given their matchups for this upcoming week. So I focus on these guys, and then the other guys, like Bowman, Shoemaker. Yeah, you can go and get them and everything like that, but, like, these five guys definitely need to be the first ones you need to be going after. But because I've already talked about them in depth before... I'm just going to take my time and move on. So, speaking of moving on, let's go talk about some running backs here and get back to our normal scheduling program here, taking this one at a time with the different um, players here. And we'll talk about first, Mr. Terry and Stewart, the running back out of Bowling Green on by this week. Probably should throw that out there almost immediately, but I think he's in for a good couple of weeks after that point. So go ahead and grab him now, stash him, and then get him ready for the weeks after. Give me one second. All right, there we go. Never mind. Need a little bit more water. All right, there we go. Much better. Anyway, Terry and running back at a Bowling Green. Like I mentioned, love this upcoming schedule. After this buy, He has himself some pretty nice matchups. He got Ball State and Kent State immediately right afterwards, two of the worst defenses in the MAC, right there, back-to-back. After that, he gets himself Toledo. Definitely a a flip-of-a-coin kind of defensive matchup, because Toledo shut down some pretty good MAC offenses so far this year, but they've also got completely run over by Western Michigan when they did play then. Now, Toledo ended up winning that game, but Western Michigan put up 35-plus points on them, so... It's not like Toledo's defense is completely invulnerable. Bowling Green's offense has kind of also had this kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing going on, where like they're really, really good some weeks. Again, look at their game against Georgia Tech, Akron last week, and then other times they're really, really bad, like they were against Miami of Ohio, where they put up zero points. So, I'm I'm betting that Terrian Stewart does really well against Ball State and Kent State. His volume has been great. Again, out of the last three games, you're looking at. 19-plus rushing attempts in three out of the last four games, 120-plus rushing yards in three out of the last four games. He has been absolutely, absolutely crazy. Three touchdowns this past week against Akron. Obviously, you can't expect that every single week, but I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that he's probably going to find the end zone at least one time per game. If Bowling Green falls behind in either of those games, it definitely is a little troubling, or it's a little difficult to see him continuing to perform in that game due to the fact that his receiving work is pretty limited for the most part. But regardless, I think I think Buff or Bowling Green will be competitive in both of those games, so it shouldn't be a problem. And Terry and Stewart can really, really help you kind of lay down the groundwork to get you to the playoff during those weeks. Do those matchups. Alright, let's move on to another running back here. Let's go to Utah. Let's go talk about Mr Sion or Sion Vaki, the running back, defensive back, wide receiver hybrid there at Utah, just all around athlete. This dude has been on an absolute tear the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Utah dealing with injuries all over the place, but, but, gotta love when coaches just find that dude on their team that says, we just gotta get this dude the ball. In what of, whatever way we can, he, we need to get him involved in whatever way we can. And Sion Vaki has absolutely stepped up to the plate for the Utes. Obviously, Jaquin and Jackson coming back has helped this team a ton. But Vaki has really added another completely explosive element to this running game and receiving game that Utah just hasn't had recently against Cal. 15 rushing attempts for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Just completely destroyed them on the ground. It was phenomenal to see. And then this past week against USC, not as great on the ground. Nine rushing attempts for 68 yards and no touchdowns. But then he kind of flipped the script. Now he's back to being a receiver. And he was was great against USC's defense. Again, five receptions, 149 yards, and two touchdowns. This dude's an all-around athlete. This isn't the volume I typically want out of a player. Again, you're talking about touches of, let's see, 16 and 14 over the last two weeks. That is not the volume I want. But sometimes, and I talked about this when we talked about Bucky Irving a couple weeks ago, sometimes you just have a dude who is just explosive. He doesn't need the volume. He is going to be on another level athletically compared to everybody else on that field, and Vaki pretty much is that dude for the most part for Utah. He's got a tough matchup this upcoming weekend. Utah does against Oregon. They're nine versus the run. They're pretty good against the pass as well. Vaki is one of those dudes that it doesn't matter what defense he's going up against. He just has that athletic ability to break a long one on any given touch. If that is the kind of players that you like to grab, Vaki has to be, has to be in your lineup moving forward. So I am absolutely, absolutely stoked about potentially getting him again. It's not typically what I like to go for, but again, some sometimes players are just super fun. This is a dude that literally can house it on any given play. Those are the kind of guys that you love to kind of s- slide into your lineup, especially like a flex position. And just see what he does. Roll the dice every single week. And I think, honestly, given what we've seen in the past two weeks, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good dice to roll. So, another running back here. Let's go talk about Cameron Edwards. The running back out of UConn. Rostered on 0% of leagues this past week. 22 rushing attempts for 149 yards. And a touchdown. Also got four receptions through the air. For 15 yards and an additional touchdown there. Some of you... ...might be listening to me and being like, Yo, Jared, what's going on here? This dude hasn't done anything so far this year, and you're ready to recommend him after a single week? Yes, yes, I am. And specifically for this upcoming week's matchup against Boston College, I do not trust Edwards past that point for two reasons. One, we saw Victor Rosa go down with an injury this past week. It is an ankle injury. And there's one thing I've kind of learned over the years is that when running back specifically... an ankle injury you can almost trust that they will not play the very next week it's either out of precaution necessity whatever typically most often not when a guy suffered an ankle injury you can bet on them sitting at least one week because again it's just something that can get re-aggravated so easily especially as a running back so I trust that Edwards will be back to being the number one running back for UConn next week with Victor Rosa out again next week the other reason why I don't really trust them beyond Boston College, the Boston College game next week is because he, UConn's got some pretty tough matchups after that point. They get Tennessee the week after Boston College, which is, again, they've shown they can be run on just look at what Bama did last week. But at the same time, Tennessee has shown this year that they can shut down these um, smaller G5 programs when they need to, which is not something they've always been able to say. So I trust that Tennessee is going to shut down UConn. U- UConn's not going to find the end zone often in that game. So don't want, to, don't want to trust Edwards there. And then the week after, you got James Madison, who's the number one rushing defense in the country. Now, you can say part of that's because, you know, they get a ton of sacks and everything like that. But even still, like, James Madison, I think, is just another level better than UConn. I think they'll be able to shut down UConn's offense for the most part. I don't like that matchup. Now, this weekend against Boston College... I do trust that UConn can keep, it, can keep the game relatively close with Boston College for the most part. I think you're probably in for another 20-plus carry week for Edwards, which is something you absolutely want to see uh, for anybody you're grabbing off the waiver wire this week. So I'm going to roll the dice on Edwards for at least just this week. So let's move on to another running back here. And that is Mr. Kai Roboshow on the opposite side of this weekend's game. We just talked about UConn. They're going up against Boston College. Well, Roboshow is the running back out of Boston College. Another guy who is somewhat benefited from an injury here, Pat Garwo, the other running back for Boston College, who's really not good at all, is out with an injury. So that kind of opened things up a little bit more for Roboshow. Roboshow coming over from Western Michigan, or Western Michigan, excuse me, Western Kentucky, certainly, certainly is enjoying actually being able to play running back here at Boston college. And he ripped himself off a very, very phenomenal performance last week. 21 rushing attempts for 165 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. And then you got yourself three receptions for 54 yards and no touchdowns through the air. just, Overall, incredible performance, top five running back on the week. And I think he's going to continue. I love the way the schedule is shaping up for Boston College moving forward. They found their identity. They're a rushing team between Thomas Castellanos and Show. here. They got two guys that any given play, the ball could be handed to. And that's how they're going to run their offense from here on out, especially with Garwell out. It's going to be pretty much these two moving forward. I've talked about before that in college fantasy, people talk about like you know stacks between you know quarterbacks and receivers. This is actually kind of a stack I think you could put with Thomas Castellanos if he's on your team. Because any given play for Boston College moving forward, it's going to be either Robichaud or Castellanos that gets the ball. That's some nice volume between those two guys for the most part. So, fun little stack there. And again, I... I I started talking about their schedule, and then I completely went off the side rails there. My apologies to everybody there. Their upcoming schedule is beautiful. UConn, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. Those are all three games that Boston College will be heavily involved in. They're going to be competitive in. So I don't really have to worry about Robichaux getting game scripted out, although he does have a pretty good receiving profile as well. If he's getting 20, 25 opportunities per game like he did against um, Florida Tech this past week, He's going to be an absolutely phenomenal play for you to grab over the next couple of weeks here. I, again, there's pretty much not much more I can say than that. Again, it's, it's rare for us to find 20-plus touch guys this late in the season, A RoboShow is certainly one of them, so I would go and try to grab him. All right, one last running back I'll dive deep into, then we'll talk about some honorable mentions. It's rare in college fantasy to find systems where you have not just one, but two fantasy-relevant running backs on a pretty consistently weekly basis here, but it looks like that's exactly what we're getting in the San Jose State's offense. And between Kyrie Robinson, who's obviously, obviously been a huge beast the last couple of weeks, but also his partner in crime here, Quali Conley, who transferred in this offseason, he is another one of these guys. He's not getting the volume I would love to see, but he's another one that's just been super, super explosive. And if it wasn't for... Kyrie Robinson performing as well. I think they would honestly have shifted to Conley quite a while ago. He is a he's a starter worthy running back for I'd say I'd, I'd say almost every team in the G five right now. I'd say I'd say Conley, well maybe not Boise State, obviously got Ashton GNT there, but a good a good chunk of G five programs Conley would be the number one guy there. And the past two weeks have really shown like he can be productive in that secondary role against New Mexico. Ten carries, 123 yards, and a touchdown also see a reception for 61 yards there again there's that explosiveness this past week 15 attempts 74 yards two touchdowns two receptions 20 yards fantasy performances of 24.9 and 22.4 fantasy fantasy points in half PPR formats it's hard not to like that especially as a number two guy and if something were to happen to Kyrie Robinson God forbid Conley easily becomes the go-to guy for San Jose State moving forward And look at this upcoming schedule. This upcoming weekend, maybe you don't like investing into guys who are number two running backs on their teams, but against Hawaii, considering how much we've already seen the San Jose State offense destroy some of the teams that they faced recently between New Mexico and Utah State, Hawaii is not going to fare much better against the Spartans this weekend. They're 109th versus the run. I think San Jose State is just going to run, 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 and run all over them over and over again giving plenty of opportunities for Conley moving forward. All right. And let's set up some honorable mentions real quick. And these are honestly the, probably the most important guys. Again, I don't want to talk about guys. I just recently talked about, but Quentin Cooley running back out of Liberty roster on 22%. Like he's just been on an absolute tear Four games in a row of a hundred yards, 20 plus touches in, in, and three of them. Liberty's found their true number one running back there, and honestly, I think they are moving. They're using him to move away from running Salter nearly as much. He's also got a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal, matchup this weekend against Western Kentucky, who is a bottom ten rushing defense in the country. You see what he's done against a much better rushing defense the last couple of weeks. He should absolutely eat against the Hilltoppers. Another guy, Makai Hughes, I talked about it earlier with Kai, or yeah, with Kai Robichaud how rare it is to find guys on the waiver wire that are consistently getting 20 plus touches per week. Makai Hughes is another dude, very much like Cooley, 3 plus rushing or 3 plus um 100-yard games rushing in a row, 20 plus touches in every single one of those games. He's going to going up against Rice this weekend, 70 70th versus the front, so very average rushing defense. Hughes should eat once again. Those are honestly the two top running backs on the waiver wire regardless of the other guys that I went in depth on cuz Quite frankly, again, it's it's hard to find guys that are getting that much volume, and those two are very much there. And then another guy I'll throw out here, Balik Sherrod, running back out of Fresno State. Seems like that he is a dude that, like, I, I had the Fresno State offense all, or the run, running game all wrong. Start the season, I thought Elijah Gillum was going to overtake Sherrod, render Sherrod irrelevant, even if he came back from injury. Completely had that wrong. He's going up against UNLV this weekend, the 33rd versus the run, but kind of like I mentioned earlier or in, in previous episodes, sometimes some of these defenses are, the, the, scat, the stats are a little skewed in terms of how they do against the run versus the pass. I think UNLV's rushing defense is worse than 33rd, mostly due to the fact that, again, their passing defense is so horrendous, teams don't need to throw on them. And they've also faced two passing teams recently in Colorado State and UNLV who don't really like to run the ball that much. So that probably skews things a little bit there as well. Now, how would I rank all these running backs together? Again, I just mentioned some honorable mentions. Like I said, Cooley, Hughes, those are my top two. They're at a tier of their own. If they're available, they are must, must, must pickups. Then I would go Tyrion, Stewart out of Bowling Green. Again, obviously with the bye this week, but then those two matchups afterwards are very nice. Then I would go Sherrod, Vaki, and Robichaud. Those are probably, that's that next tier right there. And then I would go Conley. And Edwards, because those two are guys that I like mostly for this week, and then maybe they can have some stuff after that point, like, especially Conley. I think he can do well against Fresno State and San Diego State down the line, but those are one week rentals for the most part because I really like their matchups. All right, let's hit up some wide receivers after I take a sip. All right, there we go. Let's go ahead and start with Mr. Brendan Presley, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, rostered on 17% of rosters. He has been a huge beneficiary of this resurgent Oklahoma State offense. Like seriously, whoa, this offense, where did this come from? They have been absolutely phenomenal the last couple of weeks here. And like I said, Presley has definitely benefited a ton from that. I will fully admit to you though, this play with Presley, like grabbing him is probably better for those of you who are playing in PPR leagues. The production isn't really here for Presley. I mean, look at what he's done over the last three games. 40, 79 yards, 62 yards. So he hasn't hit 100 yards in any of those games. Not really the level of production you're looking for. Two touchdowns out of the last three games. Not great, Bob. So why am I talking about this? Well, his volume has been very, very consistent for Oklahoma State. Recently, you got eight targets versus Kansas State, 11 targets versus Kansas, 10 targets versus West Virginia. He is the go-to receiving option for Oklahoma State, kind of providing a little bit of relief for that run game and Ali Gordon for sure. He's getting pretty much almost half of his value just from the receptions that he is getting alone. And quite frankly, that's just something you like to see on the waiver wire this late guys kind of emerging down the stretch. He is absolutely one of those guys. He's got a nice, nice, um, matchup this weekend against Cincinnati. Who's 99th versus the pass. Then you follow that up with games against Oklahoma and UCF, not as great, but again, when you're, when volume is your friend, that's all you really need. Cause like, yeah, he's been great for fantasy the last two weeks, 16.7 points versus West Virginia, 24.5 fantasy points versus Kansas there. I think he can continue to kind of hover in that range against Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and UCF just, again, because of how much volume he's getting. All right, let's move on to another wide receiver here. Let's go talk about Courtney Jackson, wide receiver out of Arkansas State, rostered on 3% of rosters this past week, seven targets, five receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Since Arkansas State has made the switch to Jalen Raynor, Obviously, we know this offense has hit a completely different gear. The only thing has been really like, well, we know Raynor is incredible. Who's he throwing to? And the answer really has kind of become Courtney Jackson over the last couple of weeks. Outside of the dud game against Troy in which the entire offense got absolutely destroyed in that game, just wasn't even fair. Look at these performances against um, Jackson's last three opponents outside of Troy. Coastal Carolina, seven, I, just, I just ran off the number. Seven targets, five receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown. You're looking at 18.4 fantasy points. Against UMass, five targets, four receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Against Southern Miss, five targets, three receptions, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Every week, he is getting involved with Jalen Raynor. Raynor clearly trusts him not only to as an end zone option, but as a deep threat option. The volume isn't great. It's definitely lower than I would want to see for the most part. But like I said, he's getting high value targets, deep targets for the most part. He's hauling in touchdowns on a pretty consistent basis. It's something I like to see. It also helps that he's got a really, really good perform or really good matchup this upcoming weekend against UL Monroe. They're 122nd versus the pass. Definitely hope to see Arkansas State kind of return to that unstoppable looking offense they had against Southern Miss and UMass for sure. So I think Jackson's in for another pretty big week there. Hopefully he can hit above the 100-yard mark this week. After that, he's got Louisiana Lafayette, Southern, South Alabama, both games that you know can provide their challenges, but I think that they'll he'll still find a way to have some pre- pretty solid performances. If he's able to almost put up 100 yards on Coastal Carolina, I think he'll be okay against Lafayette and South Alabama for the most part. Let's go ahead and touch on another wide receiver here. Let's go talk to Kenneth, talk to, not talking to anybody, talk about Kenneth Womack, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, rostered on 1% of leagues, and that is absolutely crazy because if I told you that a guy who's gotten 42 targets over the last three games is sitting on 99% of waivers right now, you would be calling me crazy. And guess what? I'm not crazy because he is sitting there this past week this is not a typo on the graphic here targets 19 receptions 14 90 yards and a touchdown now that is absolutely insane obviously it's not something you can think week to week here but this is, he's he's had he's hit double digit targets in most of his games really um the two games recently with Miami of Ohio and Ball State where he had seven and eight targets Actually, some of the lowest he's gotten on the season. With this Broncos offense running as many plays as they have been, Womack has easily been the number one guy that they have been throwing to. Now, here's kind of the kicker with Womack. And the fact is that his he has a ton of targets, but he's not getting a ton of high-value t- high targets. Against Miami of Ohio and against Ohio, 6.6 yards per reception, 6.4 yards per reception. It has just not been... Super, he's not a very explosive guy for the most part. Again, in a PPR league, he's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. You're talking about a guy that, once again, got half of his points last week just from catching the ball in general. Like, this dude got, a, this dude got 14 points in PPR leagues last week just from catching the ball. Like, 14 points, obviously not... If you had just that, it's not like, oh, great week, but... All he needed after that point was 60 yards, and you're happy with his performance for the week. But he's got some really nice matchups coming up. Again, not this weekend against Eastern Michigan. They've been kind of shutting down a lot of pretty good MAC offenses. But then after that, Central Michigan. After that, Northern Illinois. Eyebrow raised at both of those matchups right there. I think either one of those could be games with this volume. Womack's in for a massive game up and coming. Like, he is in for... There's going to be one of those like premier action games here up and coming soon where we're sitting there like ah yes this whatever fantasy matchup he was played in is already over because by Wednesday night Womax coming in with like forty points and you're sitting there like oh good lord I think he's in for one of those weeks with, with with this kind of volume you just there's going to be a massive game moving forward the only thing is. I just wish he would get a few more touchdowns. It's just unfortunate that Western Michigan loves to run the ball and doesn't really give a lot of opportunities for Womack to bring in the touchdowns. But we'll see. Maybe that changes over the next couple of weeks. Next wide receiver here is going to be somebody that I put on the trap players several weeks ago. And that is Mr. Nick Anderson, wide receiver out of Oklahoma, rostered on 14% of rosters this past week. 105 yards and two touchdowns. And you're probably sitting there being like, Jared, you absolutely put this man on the waiver wire traps a couple weeks ago. It feels like you're kind of going back on your word here. What is going on here? And I still stand by putting him on the fake or on the trap players list several weeks ago. This was not a dude I was willing to invest in. This is a guy that in the four weeks leading up to the bye week had three targets, four targets, three targets. And, and one target in those four games. Now, he caught touchdowns in every single one of those games. I was not, and I repeat, was not willing to invest in that. I just simply was not. That's just not the volume I wanted. I thought he was getting lucky with the number of touchdowns that he was getting. And for the, for the most part, I was right not to invest in him during those weeks because the highest he got after his monster game against Tulsa where he had caught three touchdowns on three targets was the game against Iowa state where he caught three targets or he had yeah, caught two balls for 56 yards and a touchdown. Just not, not super phenomenal fantasy production there. Here's the thing though. This is something some of y'all might be aware of. Again, if you follow your own team or just other teams and everything like that. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, When you have a freshman like this, a guy like Nick Anderson, who is flashing a ton to start the season. Like, clearly, this dude brings something to your offense that you aren't normally able to do. It's a little hard to fully incorporate them just in the middle of the season like that. Again, like, as you can see, like, they were clearly wanting to get Nick Anderson out there. They clearly wanted to continue to throw deep to him because that is what he did best for this Sooner's offense. But it isn't really until the bye week where you get that extra week of preparation where you can kind of sit back and take the time to think, how do we fully incorporate this flashing freshman who's proven it now on the field that he is somebody that we can rely on moving forward. How do we get him more touches? How do we get him more involved? And that's exactly what happened here with Nick Anderson. I mentioned earlier, four targets, three targets, one target. That was his volume heading into the bye week. What do they do in the first game they come out of the bye week that confirms everything that I need to know about him moving forward? 10 targets. He is fully Anderson's fully incorporated into this Sooners offense moving forward. He is going to be a guy. I, I dare. I say he might be the wide receiver one for Oklahoma moving forward. He is just an super phenomenal, very consistent throughout the start of the season. Now that they're fully incorporating him and getting him double-digit targets like this, I am very much excited about what he has to have or what he has to bring to the table moving forward. The schedule sets up super, super nicely for him. Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, all three of those are defenses that Oklahoma should handle just fine. Anderson's deep threat ability probably leads to a big play in every single one of those games. I... I've, I've completely flipped on Anderson. He is a CFF asset moving forward. I grabbed him in one or two dynasty leagues. I almost traded him away in one of them. And he is clearly, clearly somebody that Oklahoma has future plans for this year. Not next year, this year. Anderson is that dude for Oklahoma moving forward. And I am very excited about it. All right. Next one here. Javon Baker, wide receiver out of UCF. I've talked about him earlier this season. Um, he's not the most exciting player in the world. Volume's not the greatest. He got only 6 targets this past week, but he's quietly been like super super efficient with his with his receptions. Like just his past 3 games here. Against Baylor, 37.7 yards per reception. Against Kansas, 21.3 yards per reception. Against Oklahoma, 26.8 yards per reception. He's broken long ones in every single game over the last 3 games against 65 Long versus Baylor, 41 versus Kansas, 86 versus Oklahoma. He gets his quarterback, John Rice Plumley, who clearly favors Baker when he is out there on the field. They got a nice schedule here between West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State over the next couple of weeks. They'll be able to pass on all of those teams. If Baker keeps up this efficiency and continues to be a high value tar or high yeah, continue to get those high value targets down the field and continue to create that, um, create those yards after catch. Baker should be in for a really nice stretch to finish the season here. I think that, again, his targets have been like 6-7 over the last couple of weeks. Wouldn't surprise me if he bumps up to around 8-9-10 targets in these upcoming games, especially if UCF does fall behind in a few of these games. We will definitely see. Again, not too much to say there. Now, a couple of honorable mentions I want to throw out there about wide receivers. Noah Smith... Wide receiver to Sam Houston, double-digit targets for three three or four weeks straight, roster on 15% of rosters, going up against UTEP this week, he's the clear number one guy to grab off the waiver wire for wide receivers. Other guys, Reggie Brown, wide receiver out of James Madison, talked about how McLeod and that passing attack has a really good matchup against Old Dominion this week. Absolutely should go and take a shot on Reggie Brown to benefit from that. And then the other one I will throw out here, Will Pauling, the wide receiver out of Wisconsin, it seems like Phil Longo, now that Tanner Moore ties down, Brayden Locke's out there. Last couple of weeks, he's really kind of started to lean back into relying on the slot wide receiver for his offense, like we saw at UNC and Ole Miss. And Will Pauling has been the beneficiary for that. He's had double-digit targets in each of the last three games. I don't love his matchup this weekend against Ohio State. That's top five defense all around. I I'm struggling to start Braylon Allen. This week, let alone Will Pauling, so I wouldn't go there. But then Pauling has probably the nicest schedule that you can have for a Big Ten offense to finish the season. Like, let me let me double check. I, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure I double check this and get this right. Because after Ohio State, yes, it is. It's these three teams. He gets Indiana, Northwestern, and Nebraska. We started this show off. With, uh, with discussing Gavin Wimsat in that horrible three-game stretch of Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State, and being like that—you can't find a th- worse three-game stretch for anybody in the Big Ten. Well, Will Pauling, after this Ohio State game this weekend, is the complete opposite. Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska—you cannot find me a better three-game stretch for a Big Ten team. The rest of the season. And so Pauling after this week should be in for some pretty, pretty darn big weeks there, especially if Braden Locke continues to get better for uh, the Badgers. So let's go ahead and finish up here or not finish up here. Let's go talk about some tight ends real quick. And we'll start off with Oscar Delp. (sighs) Tight ends are such a wasteland, man. It's hard really being super excited about any of these guys, but for Oscar Delp, we know for a fact that he is a super talented tight end. He is a dude that would be starting on 99% of rosters throughout the season. He had a lot of balls coming to Georgia the year after Brock Bowers and is basically sitting behind a absolute unicorn and is kind of waiting his turn. Bowers now down for the rest of the year. It is Delp opportunity to take advantage of this. Now, Let me be very clear about something. Delp is not Bowers. Bowers is a unicorn. Bowers is so far ahead of literally every other tight end in the country. The gap between him and the rest of the field outside of Dalton Holker is massive in terms of fantasy points. Like I looked earlier today and I did a quick calculation. Bowers will be out the rest of the season. He will earn zero points in the regular season moving forward. In total points... The number three tight end on the year, if they average the same amount they've been averaging, is gonna take another three weeks to catch up with where Bowers was when he went down a week ago. So in total, it's gonna to take that, it's gonna take the third place tight end four full weeks of production to catch up to Brock Bowers. That's how far ahead he was compared to everybody else. To assume that Oscar Delp's gonna come in here and just be that. Is just not good process. Again, Delp is great. Delp is a pretty good receiving threat. I, like. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But he's not going to be Delp, or he's not going to be Bowers. He will be better, in my opinion, than probably 80% of the tight ends that you're going to throw out there. One, we know for a fact that he has been involved a little bit already this year. And again, it's not been anything crazy, but, you know, two, three targets every week. Touchdowns here and there for the most part. Delp clearly a guy that Beck can look for and is used to looking for. Speaking of th- things that Beck is used to looking for, Bowers is not going to be on the field anymore. I actually think this will benefit Dominic Lovett, the wide receiver in the slot there for UGA. But regardless, Delp's going to be on all the same spots that he is used that Beck is used to looking for Bowers in. That is still going to benefit Delp. I still think that you know he's not going to Delp's not going to get the eight, nine, ten targets that Bowers was getting every single week. But if he can get five, six targets every single week, that's, again, that's going to be better than 80% of tight ends that you're going to roll the dice on any given week. Again, it's a total crapshoot at tight end this year. Might as well go for a guy who's in a system that's shown, you know, they look for the tight end in the passing game and is a pretty talented guy in in and of himself. We'll definitely see. All right, let's go through the, these last two tight ends. They're not, again, it's tight ends of Wasteland, so it's not anything to be super excited about. Emmanuel Stevenson, the tight end out of Arkansas State, like I mentioned earlier. We know Jalen Raynor is on fire. We need to look for the weapons that he's using. Let's look at Emmanuel Stevenson, tight end there. He is third on the team in targets. They got a really good schedule over the next couple of weeks. Yulan Monroe, ULL, and South Alabama. All three games in which this offense, I think, could take off against any of those opponents there. We'll definitely see, but Stevenson will be pretty involved for the most part there. I definitely like what I saw out of him the last couple of weeks. And we also know that Arkansas State has, like, they're used to incorporating the tight end into their passing game. Again, Sadu Treori was absolutely phenomenal for Arkansas State last year. I think Stevenson is kind of picking up, or starting to pick up where Troyori left off. Obviously, he's not, I don't think Stevenson is going to end the season. With the number one, like being the number one target, number one reception holder for the Red Wolves again, like Traore was the year before. But, you know, something I'm still willing to bet on, especially with these nice matchups coming up. Speaking of nice matchups coming up, that is pretty much the entire argument I have for this next guy here. Trayton Welch, the tight end out of Wyoming here. Talked about him a little bit during the preseason. Hasn't really lived up. He's kind of been involved with the Cowboys, uh, especially of late. He scored two touchdowns in the last two games, so he is doing really, really well for the Cowboys there. And Wyoming's got themselves a really, really nice schedule over the next coming weeks, especially in the passing game, which they are passing way better this year than they have been pretty much ever, as long as I've been watching football from the, from the Cowboys. And like I said, these upcoming opponents are all phenomenal. Boise State, Colorado State, UNLV. Those are all three bottom passing defenses in the country. Again, Wyoming, not the team you typically want to trust with the passing game, but again, they've been a lot better this year, and Welch has really kind of come on strong here as of late. And so I think that given the matchups you're looking at there, that's, that's a dice on one to roll. Again, tight end's a complete wasteland, so might as well go with a guy who over the next couple of weeks, you know, he, he, break, he breaks the right way in some of those games. He could take off um, against any of those passing defenses, given how porous that they have been recently. So, again, just something I'm willing to roll the dice on. Nothing too exciting about any of the tight ends this week, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. All right, we got one last topic to cover here, and then we'll get on out of here for you guys. All right, thank you for... Bearing with me there? Let's go talk about some DST streaming options here. Um, we did really, really well with this last week. Again, we had three of our recommended DSTs last week finish in the top 12 on the week. We had SMU versus Temple. They were DSC 2 You had Minnesota versus Iowa, DST7. And then you had Nebraska versus Northwestern, who was DSC 12 Really the only dud dud I had last week was Wisconsin versus Illinois, which... I, need, I I kept trying to pick on Illinois' offense, and it just kept biting me. So congratulations, Fighting Illini. You have made sure that I will not pick on you for DST streaming options the rest of the year. You made me learn my lesson two weeks in a row, so we're not going to do that again. But now let's talk about some options we have this week. We'll start at the top there with Minnesota going up against Michigan State this week. Uh, once again, got to fire the graphics department uh, for switching the logos there. Anyway... Minnesota's going up against Michigan State this week. We just saw Michigan State get absolutely hammered by Michigan. Like, it wasn't even close. They tried changing their quarterback, and it's just not made things really any better for them. That offense is just an absolute mess over there. And we just saw Minnesota... Like, Minnesota is a Big Ten team's Big Ten team. That made some kind of sense, I think. You guys know what I mean. Like, if if you rode up generic big 10 team on defense, especially Minnesota's like Minnesota, like embodies like what people think a stereotypical big 10 team is. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense and they're going to shut down their opponent. That's exactly what they're going to do to Michigan state this weekend. I feel pretty good about that. Another team we got here, Auburn versus Mississippi state. We just saw this past week in a game that set football back a century Mississippi State completely struggle against, making like, not even a really that great of an Arkansas defense. Without Will Rogers, again, Mike Wright's a fun player, but, like, that offense just does not run correctly with him under center right now. Maybe next year we can look at that, but even still, like, for now, I think Mississippi State's offense is in complete disarray. And Auburn, for a lot of their faults... Still puts together a pretty solid defense on a year in and year out basis, so I'm feeling pretty solid about the Tigers being able to really slow down the Bulldogs this weekend. Let's go with another DSC option here. Let's go Florida Atlantic versus Charlotte. This one's kind of out there. I know Florida Atlantic's definitely given up some big pointage in de- in some games. I mean the shoot this past week. UTSA um threw and ran all over them. But this is also me just kind of picking on an offense here with Charlotte. Charlotte has been an absolute mess. Uh, Jalen Jones, their quarterback there, has just not been super phenomenal whenever he is out there. The offense really, really struggles. And Ford Lance has already shown that when they have a team where the, where the quarterback is just really not a threat for the most part, they can shut it down. They were able to shut down USF to 14 fantasy or fourteen points, which was very, very uh, impressive in my opinion. If they can do that to South Florida, I think that Charlotte doesn't have a prayer of hitting two touchdowns in this game, so I'm going to roll with Owls versus Charlotte. Another DST here, Washington. Washington's only rostered in 10% of leagues, and they're going up against Stanford this week. This is definitely me picking on the Stanford offense. Stanford... They, Stanford is just a mess. Their backfield is a mess. Their quarterback situation is very up and down. Alec Minor is fun. like He's gotten the volume the last two weeks, but again, with the scoring opportunity, I don't want to go there with them. Stanford got completely drugged by UCLA this past week. It took going up against an absolutely horrendous defense in Colorado for them to even put up any kind of points on the board. And that was with them getting shut out in the first half of that game. Like, let's not forget like Stanford, Stanford got shut out the first half of that game. And it took just force feeding. Iowa minor basically the entire second half for them to even come back in that game. Washington outside of really the Oregon game has shown they have a pretty solid defense, especially when it comes to um inferior offenses. So like, again, this past week against Arizona state, they held Arizona State to seven points pretty much the whole game. It was an early score that put up Arizona State, but then after that, Washington clamped down and I think Washington can easily clamp down on Stanford this upcoming weekend. I would be surprised if Stanford reaches double digit in points again. I think it's a nice matchup. Last but not least, we'll talk about Troy going up against Texas State. You might be sitting there thinking like, okay, Troy's been great, but like Texas State, that's a pretty solid offense. Well, Troy has been a deep, has been a fantasy. Offense killer recently. Again, just look at what they've been able to do recently. Against James Madison, they held James Madison to 16 points. Western Kentucky held them to 24 points. Georgia State held them to 7 points. Arkansas State held them to 3 points. Against Army, donut, blanked completely. This is a defense that has given up 10 points in the last 3 games. They are on fire. They had a slow start to start the season ever since then. They are playing like one of the best defenses in the group of five, if not the best defense in the group of five here. Texas State, their offense is good, but there's still no word on what's going on with Ishmael Mahdi. um, TJ Finley's kind of been up and down recently. If Troy gets off on the right foot early to start this game, I really think that this could be another scenario where Troy holds their opponent under 20 points that is just how good the Troy defense has been even a team like texas state i think will struggle here so i'm gonna just gonna keep riding with troy as long as they're under 40 percent here which is my little threshold i like to do for these dsc streamer options i'm just gonna keep rolling with it all right that pretty much ends the show really appreciate you guys uh hopping in and listening here. If I was kind of running through that pretty quickly or anything like that or something's kind of didn't come out quite right, I do want to apologize real quick because this is actually the second time I'm recording this show. Unfortunately I recorded it the first time and for some reason my software just did not pick up my mic whatsoever and so it's completely without audio the entire time and so unusable had to re-record this so appreciate you guys being patient with that if things aren't quite as uh smooth this time around so but regardless again you guys have been awesome again just real quick reminder again two things one go to the chasing daddy twitter account one follow two go ahead and fill out that survey as well and um again just give us your thoughts help us improve the show for the latter part of the season and then the other part of it is again go check out at cff list uh youtube account uh, if you're listening to this on monday morning they should already have their video out it's, it was a great time again me J mill willie b nino brown from CF, CFB nation fantastic fantastic discussions absolutely should go check out that show right there but besides that um, again, I will be out again this uh, Wednesday for the Start and Sit episode. Justice and Justin will be handling that once again. I'll just be out of town. Um, nothing big or anything, just be out of town uh, on the night. We usually record those, and so they, they're, they're taking that on as well. So make sure you guys tune in for that. As Make sure you guys tune in to that. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting tired. My apologies, y'all. Make sure you tune in for that. And... I look forward to the games this weekend. And again, I won't be able to talk about that with you guys, but I'll be back here next week with more WaveWire options and all of us getting ready for our push to the playoffs. So look forward to that. Until then, appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all.